Hello and welcome to another week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and it is brought to you by your local community radio station. I'm Sarah McKenzie. The Victorian trade union movement is preparing for the November 2018 state election and campaigning on industrial manslaughter laws. These follow similar laws that were introduced in Queensland last year during the 2017 state election. On today's show, we're going to speak to Paul Sutton, OHS lead at the Victorian Trades Hall, and Queensland Council of Unions Assistant General Secretary Michael Clifford about industrial manslaughter laws. But first, some union news. <laughs> United Voice members and cleaners and guards across Victoria have welcomed the news that the Andrews Labor government will introduce legislation for a statewide portable long service leave scheme for workers in community services, security and contract cleaning. Ken Howarth, who is a cleaner at Art Centre Melbourne and a United Voice member, has a very similar story. He's worked in one workplace for 11 years and has had two employers. The job's the same, but when a new employer comes in, all of the long service leave that he's banked goes back to zero. And this is the same for contract workers each time a new boss comes in or they change contracts. So because of this, this scheme will be life-changing for 74% of security guards and 61% of cleaners who can't access long service leave because of contract changes in their industries. It's estimated by United Voice that 10,000 security guards and 20,000 cleaners will be eligible under this new scheme. Guards and cleaners often work at the same site for much of their career, but due to contractor changes, move to a new employer on average every four and a half years. Access to portable long service leave means more than just a well-earned break for these workers, but it will need the support of Victorian Members of Parliament. So United Voice members are asking Victorians to support this legislation and support these jobs by writing to their local Members of Parliament. You can do that by visiting www.unitedvoicevic.org.au slash portable leave. Workers in the Australian screen industry have penned an open letter calling on the nation's parliamentarians to protect the local screen industry and to act to ensure it thrives into the future. This was released amid fears that the Turnbull government's planning to slash local content quotas in television drama and children's television. This letter has been compiled under the banner of Make It Australian. It's a joint campaign spearheaded by the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance, the MEAA, the Australian Directors Guild, the Australian Writers Guild and Screen Producers Australia. In the letter, politicians are urged to commit to growing the screen industry in Australia, as well as protecting our stories by protecting content laws. Here's Zoe Angus, the Director of Equity, which represents performers at the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance. All right, all indications are to us that uh, the government is factoring into its budget decisions changes to the industry. Uh, Now, if the government is seriously considering this, uh, then that would have a devastating impact on our industry. It would mean uh, a significant reduction in jobs uh, and it would mean that we would, frankly, 
see somewhere between less to no Australian stories on our screen. One of the key things about Australian stories and the importance of telling Australian stories is that's the way we understand ourselves as a society. It's a, I think Australian stories, storytelling, uh, has a very powerful, important, uh, cohesive factor in our society. It's, it, it's what holds a multicultural society together. It helps us understand ourselves and others uh, in and, and our place in the world. So, so if there are less storytelling, if there's less stories um, uh, on screen, uh, I think that has actually has a sad and damaging impact uh, on our society as a whole. This is clearly a crucial time because the government is considering right now, um, leading up to the budget, uh, making changes to uh, the way um, our industry is regulated. Uh, and so we thought, given this is a crucial time, we thought it's time to send to parliamentarians a letter from our industry. Uh, and so we have some almost 200 signatures uh, of uh, really the luminaries of our industry, all standing together. So we have actors, writers, directors, producers, uh, and um, you know, and names here uh, who have been telling stories that uh, you know are known by the world uh, have signed this open letter uh, to the government, uh, calling for them to step up and assist and support. The industry. Before the budget comes out, is there anything else that people who are interested in continuing on the Make It Australian campaign can help with? Yes, please. Can they log on to makeitaustralia.com uh, and can they send uh, an email to their local member telling them why Australian stories matter? The rules are broken! Maritime Union of Australia members at Cubeport took strike action last week while the company is trying to terminate their enterprise agreement. This is the first time an application has been made to terminate an agreement on the Australian docks, but it follows a huge growing trend in Australia of employers applying to have agreements terminated and knocking workers back onto the award. If Cube is successful in scrapping the agreement in the Commission, the consequences will be undoing 25 years of hard work from union members to make their workplaces safer and to make their workplaces fairer. A termination of the agreement threatens up to 59% pay reductions and the removal of a whole score of conditions, including safety clauses, union rights, heat agreements, some redundancy rights, just to name a few. 25 years of workers' rights removed in one decision. The strike also coincides with the 20th anniversary of the 1998 waterfront dispute between Patrick's and the MUA. Last year, the union movement fought hard side by side with the LGBTQIA community, winning the marriage equality campaign. But the fight is very much not over. Understanding and tackling problems faced by this community in the workplace is the newly formed We Are Union Pride team at Victorian Trades Hall. This is a team dedicated to continuing the campaign and winning real workplace equality, security and safety for all workers. We Are Union Pride is a brand new team uh, that's operating out of Victorian Trades Hall Council and really our main purpose for being is to firstly identify the key issues for LGBTIQ workers and to fight for their rights in the workplace. So we've got a really strong emphasis on building upon the existing strong relationships between the union movement and the LGBTIQ community because that work has already 
uh, begun and there are relationships and we're not reinventing the wheel in any way, but we are also very interested in um, beginning new relationships with the community where we can and really building strong bridges between us. So the union movement, as we know, has fought side by side with the LGBTIQA plus community to win marriage equality. But the thing that we really want to emphasise here with Union Pride is that the fight is not over, that we've sat down and we've really listened to the challenges that queer workers have faced every day. And the union movement is doing what it can do to work with workers to stand up, fight back, and most importantly, build a safe, inclusive and secure workforce. And that is the crux of where we want to be moving forward with this campaign. That was Connor and Jess from the We Are Union Pride team at the Victorian Trades Hall. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. So there was a recent case where a company, Redback Tree Services Plastic Limited, pled guilty in the, the court and received a $150,000 fine. Paul Sutton, Occupational Health and Safety Lead at the Victorian Trades Hall Council. A 22-year-old employee had died when a branch that he was working on hit a power line. So we're talking about a, a company that does, um, like Arborist Company, they do tree work. They've been brought in to deal with a tree at a property um, and while dealing with that tree, it had collided with a power line and electrocuted this 22-year-old man who, who died. Now, the, the facts of this case are a manager came out to that property, he quoted for the job and noted nearby power lines. So the manager knew about the nearby power lines. When you're working at heights of greater than two metres or within close proximity of live electricity, our regulations state that you need to write up what's known as a safe work method statement, which needs to detail the risks of the work and then detail the controls that will be put in place to ensure that the work can be done safely. Their safe work method statement, Redback Tree Services Proposed Limited, their safe work method statement noted the risk of the power lines and had no control written down what the workers were meant to do in order to ensure they could work safely near those power lines. When the work was undertaken, the power lines were neither suppressed nor shut down to prevent them carrying a live current while the work was going on, which is the bare minimum that should have been done. So what you've got here is a company that has um, been grossly negligent. They knew about the power line. They knew about the danger the power lines posed They did not put in place a system of work that was safe. And when they sent the employee up that tree, they caused his death. If they'd have given that employee a safe system of work, he'd have had a safe work method statement that told him what he needed to do before he cut down that tree and hit the power lines, he might be alive today. And this company walked away with a $150,000 fine over the death of a 22-year-old employee where they failed to comply with the requirements of the regulations and as a result of that negligence, this death occurred. This is why we need industrial manslaughter laws in Victoria. There's no justice there for that family. 
you know, their, their son, father, husband, was sent to death by a company that couldn't be bothered to set up a safe system of work for the job they were asking him to do. And that kind of behaviour needs to be stamped out and it needs to stop. And the way, the way we know it can stop is if we send a loud, clear message to all employers that if they are responsible through negligence or recklessness for the death of an employee or a member of the public, they will be held accountable. Um, they'll be held accountable under criminal law. They'll be subject to fines of up to $15 million and they will potentially face 20 years in jail for causing the death of a person. Today we're going to talk about industrial manslaughter laws. The Victorian trade union movement's preparing for the November 2018 state election and is campaigning on industrial manslaughter laws. Queensland and the ACTU have already introduced industrial manslaughter laws and it's Labor Party policy in Tasmania and South Australia to introduce similar legislation. But currently in Victoria, we don't have this legislation. Seven workers have been killed at work this year, and currently there is little justice for the workers who've been killed, for their families, for their co-workers, and for their community. Here's Paul again. What we're talking about here is where companies, through negligence, kill a worker or another member of the public. An example that most people might be familiar with is uh, the wall collapse that killed three people down there on Swanston Street at a Grocon site where hoarding had not been secured properly to the wall and the wall was not sufficiently um, strong enough and it, you know the, the hoarding pulled the wall down on top of three passerbys. That's negligence um, that's resulted in the death of people and we feel that that should be a crime. Currently there's some states that have industrial manslaughter laws. What does Victoria currently have? Is there any kind of penalty for killing a worker or a member of the public? So Queensland and the ACT have industrial manslaughter laws. Here in Victoria, we don't have industrial manslaughter laws. What we have is a, a duty not to recklessly endanger people. And basically, that law says that um, you know where someone is reckless, potentially placing another person in danger of serious injury, they can be charged with an indictable offence and liable to up to five years in jail or a whole bunch of penalty units. Corporations can also be caught by by that. Um, so back in 2004, when our Act was created, um, there was a lot of talk of, about industrial manslaughter at that time. And what the government of the time did was they gave us Section 32, the duty not to recklessly endanger persons at the workplace, in combination with some later sections which are there to help WorkSafe and, and the prosecution team breach the corporate veil and make senior people in companies accountable for the decisions they are or are not making in these circumstances. That clause has been used twice in the 14 years that it's existed. The, the current law doesn't work. It doesn't catch the behaviour that we're trying to stop. And instead of being directed at corporate malfeasance. So it, you know, the people who control the workplace, set up the workplace and direct how work will be done within the workplace, that law that we currently have doesn't target those people. We're going to ask for an industrial manslaughter regime based primarily on the, the new laws written in Queensland. Mm-hmm. We're going to ask for um, some minor improvements to those laws from Queensland. So for example, in Queensland, the, the victim of industrial manslaughter in Queensland must be a, a worker, which is defined as like an employee or labour hire casual contractor. Um, we're going to try and define it a bit more broadly because we feel that the 
for example, the people who lost their lives due to the wall collapse. So circumstances like that ought to be covered by our industrial manslaughter laws. So you mentioned laws in Queensland which came in last year. Does different legislation in different states or territories, does that change the way that, say, a national-based company would operate in different locations? Isn't federal legislation more desirable? Well, the immediate barrier to federal legislation is, of course, we've got a Liberal government. The yeah. second barrier to federal legislation is um, industrial manslaughter is a crime. <clears throat> Criminal law is the preserve of the state's. So um, in the ACT, industrial manslaughter is actually written into their Crimes Act. In England, it's written into their Crimes Act as well. We're going to propose to follow Queensland and have it written into the OHS Act, um, our Health and Safety Act. But, um, you know, we're adamant that industrial manslaughter needs to remain a crime and crime is the preserve of the state. So we'll need to set up a state-based system to ensure this works out. In the OHS space, though, what you've got is federal model, model laws. You've got a model work health safety legislation, which is um, was built primarily on the Victorian legislation but has a number of um, differences to it. Um, so we are campaigning that the model laws should change as well as a way of encouraging the state governments who've picked up those model laws to, to also make those changes in other jurisdictions. We don't see why workers in Queensland and the ACT should have better protections than workers throughout Australia, and particularly here in Victoria. In October last year, industrial manslaughter laws were legislated in Queensland. The maximum penalty for the new offence is 20 years imprisonment for an individual and a maximum fine of $10 million for a corporate offender. Michael Clifford, I'm the Assistant General Secretary at the Queensland Council of Unions. So, Michael, the Victorian Trades Hall Council is currently running a campaign in Victoria on industrial manslaughter laws, and that is being based on the Queensland laws that came about last year in the state election. Can you talk a little bit about the union's role in Queensland in pushing for those laws? Queensland union movement has been campaigning for these laws for over a decade now, Um uh, they're particularly important laws to elevate the importance of health and safety on work sites because um, we know that nothing's more important than a worker being able to come home to their family at night. Um, and the current laws weren't adequate to actually drive home the message to employers that they needed to take health and safety at work uh, much, much more seriously. We have just recently had a uh, conviction of an employer for manslaughter, not industrial manslaughter. Um, uh, that employer uh, was jailed for seven years after one of their workers, a young 20-year-old electrician, was killed on site through the negligence of the employer. Um, but the difference with industrial manslaughter is a couple of things. One is that industrial manslaughter laws that sit inside the Health and Safety Act as opposed to the criminal code um, allow you to go after a corporation. Um, previously, you couldn't do that. In the criminal code, you can only go after an individual. If you put this stuff in the Health and Safety Act, 
it means that corporations can't dodge their responsibility around health and safety. Um, and we think that's really important because if we want people at senior levels, and that's where it needs to happen at senior levels for companies to take health and safety very seriously, um, then you need laws which allow you to prosecute corporations. The second thing is what I said before about sending a very clear signal to companies that they need to take health and safety seriously. So the penalties have significantly increased. The maximum penalty for an offence is 20 years imprisonment for an individual and a maximum fine of $10 million for a corporate offender. And again, we think that sends a very clear signal uh, to corporations and people who should ultimately be responsible for health and safety on sites that they need to take this very seriously and uh, we think these laws will do that. I wanted to ask you about some of the struggles that the union movement had in pushing for these laws. If You were saying it was a decade-long campaign. Is that because it has been difficult to get governments on board? It has been difficult to get governments on board. Um, They've hidden behind the arguments that there's manslaughter laws already. Why don't you just use those? But um, to my knowledge, the recent... Uh, prosecution under the manslaughter laws in the criminal code is the first prosecution around health and safety uh, in Queensland. They've been notoriously difficult uh, to get, but also the prosecutors haven't taken this seriously enough as well. They haven't treated deaths in workplaces as seriously as they would treat deaths elsewhere. Paul Sutton. We're currently in talks with uh, the government about whether they will commit or not. We haven't had a definite answer out of the government at this stage. I think it's perhaps significant that we've been talking to them for a couple of months now and and we still haven't got a commitment. What can union members do to support this campaign? The first thing that we're doing is we've got a petition going on our megaphone, uh, on Trades Hall's megaphone platform here. Um, So... Um, I'll make sure you've got the link for that petition for your listeners. So the first thing to do would be to encourage people to sign that petition. Um, We'll be able to use that as a lobbying tool with government if we need to. We're encouraging people to get their friends and their family and their street and their work sites to sign the petition as well. We need as many people as possible to sign that petition. That's the first step. The second thing that people can do is on... The 27th of April, we'll hold our usual International Worker Memorial Day service here at Trades Hall where we will remember all the people who have died at work in the last 12 months. Following that service, we'll be holding an industrial manslaughter campaign meeting where we'll be talking about the next steps in the campaign. So if the government has said no, we'll be talking about, well, how do we change the government's mind? If the government has said yes, we'll be talking about what steps we need to take in order to ensure that this gets legislated. We think that prevention is just as important, if not more important, than punishing people once deaths have occurred. Michael Clifford again. The new laws up here also make it mandatory for health and safety representatives to be trained. And we are determined that those health and safety representatives will get a lot more support than they have in the past. These new laws help us do that. That preventative approach is particularly important and having trained people in the workplace is really important to creating good health and safety outcomes and ensuring that workers have a voice around health and safety, that that voice is respected, is really vitally important if we're going to create safe workplaces. The second thing I'd say is going to the issues of priority. You know, in Victoria... You've got the example of the repeat offender, Grocon, 
who doesn't have the best safety record and those examples in 2013 where the wall collapsed on the uh, Swanson Street construction site in Melbourne which led to the death of three people. Following the Swanson Street incident, Grocon pleaded guilty. They were convicted of breaching health and safety laws and were fined just $250,000. You compare that to the way that uh, governments have gone after unions. You've got the TWU, for example, that was fined uh, $270,000 for not keeping their membership records up to date. When a union gets fined $270,000 for administrative problems compared to companies getting fined lesser amounts when workers and people in the public are killed, that's another reason why these laws are really important, that we actually get our priorities right. Just before we go, a quick announcement about the Change the Rules campaign. The Change the Rules campaign is escalating around the country. Thousands of Australians are expected to hit the streets demanding more secure work and fair pay over the coming months. These events will occur in major cities and regional communities across Australia. And many of the events will coincide with May Day celebrations, which mark International Workers' Day. Sally McManus, the secretary of the ACTU, says that anybody who wants to live in a better, fairer country, who wants more secure jobs and fairer pay rises, should attend these events and join the movement for change. A full list of the events in your area can be found at www.australianunions.org.au by going through the 12 Days of Action. And that is it for Stick Together today. Thank you for listening and thanks to everybody who joined us on the show. This program is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR and it's broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. Podcasts for the show can be found at 3cr.org.au slash stick together. And if you want to get in contact with me or any of the other producers of the show, you can give us a call on 03-9419-8377 or send us an email to sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. And remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. My name's Sarah McKenzie, and until next time, stick together.